I'm Orla Keaveney. I'm Emily O'Connell. And this is an Novmana Lesbian Plus podcast. So on the show today we have Kira Dempsey who just finished her Masters in Film Studies at UCD. So welcome to the show Kira. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so this episode's just going to be about like representation in film of lesbian and bi women and just same sex gal relationships. Um, <laughs> just to encompass it all. So um, yeah, yeah. So I guess a good point place to kick off would be um, talking about maybe like kind of give a bit of context of like what LGBT representation has been in film yeah absolutely um it's kind of it's sort of funny because I remember when you said it to me first you were like do you want to come on our podcast and talk about queer women in film I was like yeah of course absolutely I'm a queer woman I love film um and then I started thinking about it and I was like there's not as much there's not there's not really that much because I think it's very easy to talk about uh gay men in film Mm. um but for women I found it a little bit more difficult um, and obviously there is stuff, but it's, I think when you're looking at queer women in film, it's not just looking at queerness, it's also looking at how women are represented in film, mm-hmm. which is way more, like women are gendered on screen in a way that men just aren't. Um, it's a lot of like scholarship around it, but women, women's gender is made like the first thing you see about them on screen, whereas men are just presented as their character, women are presented as women and then their character. Mm-hmm. So when it's a queer woman, it's that, but like kind of doubly loaded. Um, Marlena Dietrich is widely credited as having the first on-screen lesbian kiss um, in a film Morocco because she kind of she was actually bisexual Um, again it's hard to kind of pinpoint these things but as far as anyone's aware she was a bisexual woman Um, and in her film Morocco she is dressed as a man she kind of leaned into her androgyny quite a lot and she kisses a woman on screen and again the film is about a romance between her and a man but it's one of the if not the first um like queer women's kiss on screen and that was in you know 19 like 30 I could be wrong somewhere wow. in that kind of era but yeah. you don't have explicit lesbian relationships until much much later um like even Hitchcock's like, Rebecca like there's a whole kind of lesbian tension but not you know real right. lesbianism yeah I was just gonna say would that kiss um have been portrayed as like a joke kind of because she's sort of yeah. as a man and Let's, it's like yeah because she's like <laughs> she's per- she's performing basically so she's a, a chanteuse so she's like performing like a club or whatever and she's walking around in the whole thing she's flirting with everyone in the audience and she's wearing like a top hat and tails type of thing um, and she flirts with a woman and then kisses her and it's kind of scandalous but it also sort of nothing comes of it mm. so it's almost sort of played for the scandal and it became quite like iconographic I guess like there was sort of it kind of was really popular in like the underground queer scene in Germany when the film came out this became quite iconic but outside of that, it kind of didn't really do much. And for that to happen quite early on in cinema, but to still have so little genuine queer representation until much later, it kind of speaks to itself, I think, that it sort of just became like, sort of like the shock factor and not much else. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you definitely even see that even nowadays that like being gay is seen as like this whole like, it's either like this super shocking scandalous thing or it's like this great tragedy and like yeah. mm. you know it's never just like a normal thing that normal people do you know mm. yeah. yeah it's always like part of you know it's a reveal or something mm. like I and I know it's an important thing especially if you're looking at um, film and television aimed at like like teens and everything but I'm so sick of coming out narratives <laughs> like it's so annoying that it's like someone can't already be gay it has to be a thing where they tell someone they're gay like this was in like the new season of Stranger Things where it's you know um Robin I think her name is oh yeah it is yeah I forgot about that yeah. <laughs> yeah and like like I think she's a great character I love the friendship they have and then he's a crushner and she's like I'm actually gay and it's like he's like oh I'm fine with that and it's like okay that's nice but just 
why like it was just this weird tiny moment where she had to like come out and it was and the it, plot the plot had to be that he fancied her as that well. he fancied yeah. her so that she could then come out and then he could be okay with it yeah it was yeah. about his reaction to yeah. her being gay more about her like yeah and, I mean, yeah and in isolation that it was still quite a nice moment um but it was just sort of weird that that's that always kind of seems to be the way that we get these things where it's like there's long kind of build up and then I'm actually gay and they're like oh my god like it happens in so many things Um, and actually I suppose that's kind of like what you're saying about that has a lot to do with how women are portrayed in general because it was about the man liking her yeah exactly Mm. and then it's kind of like this oh I don't know you can't not that you can't get everything you want kind of thing but just yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. it was sort of and especially because like that character because it was Steve who was you know kind of a dick in the first season has this nice redemption of becoming a better person it kind of fed into that as well like oh he's such a nice guy and it's like I mean yeah sure he is but like could she not have just been a lesbian in her own right did it yeah. need to be in service of him being so woke or whatever <laughs> or the whatever the 80s version of woke was <laughs> awake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah but like I suppose as well like a lot of the times like you kind of feel like the representation you're seeing yeah again it's like it's not far LGBT audiences yeah and what they do for LGBT audiences is like again like kind of queer baiting and it's like yeah. hinting at it and it's yeah. to kind of get their support but without actually like scaring off the conservatives you know yeah exactly and I think some of that does come from you know especially you'd such strong Hollywood censorship and stuff like this and that's why you had films up until like the 80s and 90s where queerness was hinted at rather than made obvious or where it was like a huge like shock point if it was included um, and I think some of it's a little bit of a holdover from that that there's not a lot to work from where you just have characters who just are written as lesbians and just are who are written as bisexual and just are that it has to be more part of the narrative because it so much wasn't before mm. so there's kind of a cultural holdover I feel but also it's like that's not an excuse like do better yeah <laughs> yeah like I saw this uh, I think it was like a tweet or something and it was saying like that you know, like, Disney like to pretend that it's, like, China's fault that they can't include more yeah. explicit LGBT representation when really it's, like, they don't want to, like... Yeah, there's always an excuse. You know, that kind yeah. of... Like, yeah, and this is the same thing that, um... I just will out and I'd say I don't care about superhero films anymore. There's just too many. But I remember seeing a thing recently that apparently one of the Marvel characters is gay or is going to be gay or something. I can't remember which one it was. Um, is it Tessa Thompson's one? Or? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. Um, which is lovely because Tessa Thompson is an actual queer woman. Yeah. Um, I can't believe her and Janelle Monet broke up. My heart broken. <laughs> don't, don't talk about it. So no, upsetting. Not the place. So <laughs> upsetting. Um, <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's lovely that they're going to have, you know, a queer woman on screen. But it's sort of like you had people being like, oh, well, it's kind of too little, too late. They have this massive franchise. And now when it's safe, yeah. when they're too big to fail, they're going to include a queer woman and then you have the backlash which is like oh you'll never be happy can't you not just be happy with a gay character on screen it's like well no because <laughs> like if you look at the proportion of you know queer women in real life versus queer women on screen like proportionately it makes no sense it's hilarious there's like five on screen for every hundred nod you know in person yeah um so yeah, it's about like you know also they actually the thinking of queer baiting they really did that with them um, captain marvel yeah and absolutely even like I know it's just a haircut but like the but haircut still, and like yeah. the whole demeanour and the all of this like very strong hinting where it's like if you're queer you'll be like oh yeah Captain Marvel yeah but yeah. like nothing is yeah, said yeah I've never yeah. actually watched it um I, again like I just felt like there were too many too I like many. I left it too late to watch them and I was like I can't catch up now yeah. I don't have eight, like you know 80 hours to kill yeah. so but like um 
Wasn't there something like that she had like this like very close female friend that basically like they raised a kid together? Wasn't there some sort of story? Oh, like I that? actually oh. haven't seen the film either, but yeah. yeah. I have I've actually seen Captain Marvel, but honest to God, I remember about five minutes of it. Um <laughs> Oh god, yeah. I like I tried watching it, um, mostly because I was like debating about with getting the Captain Marvel haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, same, I need to do my research. Same, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a haircut. <laughs> a haircut means something. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, I tried watching it, and I was just like, not enough gay content here, lads. I'm not yeah. here for all these made-up words and stuff yeah. and CGI. I'm like, they're just way too sure. glossy as well. Mm, it's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that being said, though, it would have made a huge difference had like when these films started ten years ago. How long is the franchise going? Now? Oh, at least ten the years. I'd 90s, say, like, yeah. Started with like Iron Man. Iron yeah, Man Iron Man was, was the like first one I think. I think I went to see that when I was ten. Yeah, I like, definitely remember being like a child when yeah. that came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if it had been like from then, it would have made such a huge difference. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing is when you're looking at content aimed at younger people, it's sort of they there's almost more responsibility, and I feel like that's sort of something that gets kind of diminished a little bit. Where it's like, oh, it's just a superhero film, or it's just a teen drama. Why does it matter? Or my favorite one why does it have to be political mm. um like i mean being gay is sort of political but also like there's, yeah there's a whole the whole other argument to be had there um but when it's also aimed at younger people like representation is so important and if you are young and you can see someone being gay on screen that does make things a little bit easier for you and especially as like a bisexual woman and again i'm massively privileged i'm very straight passing like I, my boyfriend's also bisexual, but we're very, we're a very straight passing couple, uh, two straight passing individuals anyway. So I'm very privileged. But being bisexual is also an important part of who I am, an important part of my identity as a woman in general. So to have so little of that on screen, it's especially when when you're someone like me who loves film and who gets so much from film, yeah. it's kind of disheartening. And I remember like being younger and kind of coming to terms with it and sort of having this gradual realization that it was nowhere for me. Yeah. yeah, and I suppose yeah, if, if like you're saying, like film is the industry that you're interested in and you yeah. love it, and then feeling like you don't necessarily have a place in yeah. that at the same time. Yeah. yeah, it's and it's a weird one. Um, and it's also a thing that I think, and again, I can't, I can't really speak for you know for lesbians when I'm bisexual, but I also think that I don't know any queer women that really relate to most queer women on screen because you're looking at them and you're like, <laughs> all those is... L word characters. Oh yeah. God. So relatable. Yeah. It's like who are these people? Um, or I think my my pet hate is Piper from Orange is the New Black mm. oh my god and they refuse to say bisexual and that show gets quite a lot of praise for having quite diverse sexualities and there's a lot of things that show does well mm-hmm. um, but she has that whole bit and I think it's like season one or season two where she's like oh I like attractive boys and attractive girls I just like hot people and it's like that's called bisexual just, just say it yeah just and I get and I get there's you're right actually because they give like Alex Nikki they all get to be lesbian like, these real like big lesbians but yeah. why won't they just say that Piper's yeah. bisexual yeah exactly and I know some people genuinely don't like to label their sexuality but I feel like for bisexuals particularly there are way more bisexuals on screen who never refer to themselves as bisexual than there are actual people who reject the label. I was actually watching the newest season of Jane the Virgin last night just got put on Netflix and I watched the first two episodes and Petra Spoilers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just take your headphones out for a sec. Um, Petra says she's bisexual. Oh, like in yes, in the yeah. season before, the mm. fourth season, she sort of gets to the woman and this whole thing. 
and then her it's very it's you know it's a telenovela her ex-husband comes back yeah of course and yeah. he's like crazy and he's like oh my god you're a lesbian that's why you wanted to divorce me blah 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 and mm. then she fucks him over and as he's getting arrested she's like I'm bisexual by the way it is you <laughs> and it was just great see that's uh, a, that's, that's a power but I, I, as I was watching it last night I was like that's the first time I've ever ever seen that yeah 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 and because I was even thinking when we were coming on like um like Jane Virgin also has this like lesbian couple mm. but like they're both insane like yeah. um, what's it, um, Louisa and Rosa yeah, she's like the yeah. main villain <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of like is, am I behind this representation I don't know yeah. I don't like know it's how hot, I feel about but... it yeah. Yeah. but that's another common thing that lesbians on screen are often batshit crazy mm. um, and like in fairness you know the gays are a bit mental <laughs> but like we're not that like uh, one of my thesis films was The Neon Demon and that doesn't delve into you know queer sexuality much but you do have this one queer character who is obsessed it's jenna malone's character and she's obsessed with jesse who's elle fanning's character but the way this queer obsession manifests is that jenna malone's character works in a morgue and oh i don't like where this is going yeah no. don't you don't um uh it's different her, different take on yeah case. oh god <laughs> honest to god <laughs> like there's a lot of kind of a lot of weird cultural reflexivity going on there so that's you know lovely one yeah. queer character in the whole film and she's an absolute weirdo yeah i don't think i'm behind that representation actually no. now that yeah. you've said that do you think horror is one of the genres that lesbians probably appear in the most oh queer women yeah in general because horror loves like body horror especially and you this whole idea of the female grotesque um like that's why you have films like carrie where it's kind of like repressed female sexuality because she's like hitting puberty and her mother doesn't want her to so repressed female sexuality explodes as violent and that's a really common thing in horror in some way that's an interesting way to explore it because horror i'm not a massive fan of horror but horror has room to kind of subvert the norm a little bit more and to kind of push things and deal with taboo topics exactly but then if you're if that's where you're exploring queerness it's like well then you're kind of furthering it as taboo a little bit yeah because we're not like there yet yeah exactly yeah yeah. it becomes like a gimmick then like yeah yeah, sort of you don't want it it, again it becomes a plot device because it so often is just being queer on screen is just for the sake of the plot or the shock or to further someone else's story or as like you know, a mid-season finale where someone can come out and then you have to wait three weeks to see how their parents react or whatever they do. Yeah. Um, actually, just thinking of horror, this is not necessarily relevant, but it just reminded me that I was reading, like, this big thread on Twitter, so obviously it might not be true. Let's <laughs> 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 just... A little caveat there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was about how Ripley from Alien was oh, supposed to be supposed to be a lesbian originally, oh. and that's why she has rainbow patches all over her. Because oh. originally that character was written to be male. Yeah. I think people generally know that. But then she was supposed to be in a relationship with one of the other crew members. Oh. And, like, they had done it, but it was all cut out. But that's why you could still see the rainbow yeah. patches on her outfit and everything. Yeah. Like I, it didn't say why it was cut out. Well, that's the thing. Like, that was... Because what year was that? That was like... 78 or 79. Yeah, exactly. So that's still in that kind of era where film was kind of only dealing with queerness implicitly. So I haven't heard that. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But I can definitely see that being the case. They write it in and then the studio and the producers are like, no, take that back out. Yeah, and to be fair, I'd say in that context, it was probably enough of a risk to have like a female lead of an action movie yeah. to begin exactly. with. So like, they were probably like, okay, now we'll give you the woman. We won't give you the gay. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's often how it feels. I think that's why you often have more gay men on screen. 
you can have the woman or the gay it's like oh you don't they, get they can both. have one thing yeah. they can have one gimmick like yeah yeah, yeah. i think and that's not to say that gay men get great representation either mm-hmm. like if i see one more gay best friend i oh. might just stop watching television altogether or alternatively all the um aids crisis films yeah oh, God. and like and again like 120 beats per minute is an aids crisis film um which is wonderful it's such it's a really great film and it, it's so heartbreaking but again it's sort of like yep that's the aids crisis <laughs> But yeah but I love um, I think probably for me one of the best examples of representation is you know the movie Pride um, yeah 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 and I mean they do touch on it but it's kind of like it's just done so much more tastefully than in a lot of the ways that it's yeah. done in other movies like it's kind of they do touch on the tragedy but like you're also like these people had full lives independent yeah. of having and AIDS that's really important yeah because that's the thing with um, trying to you know have good representation of queerness on screen that being queer is not for most people easy Mm. it's difficult but you don't always want that to be the focus on screen but also you can't ignore it so you have to find this nice middle ground of knowing that like being queer is a more difficult sexuality to have but also that's not our whole lives and also it doesn't mean that you hate it either exactly yeah yeah yeah. like that's kind of I find personally like um it's kind of hard to relate a lot of times to a lot of those kind of historic or whatever versions of like representation because it's all about like the oppression and the stigma yeah and like I guess it is a sign of the times that I just can't relate to that sense of stigma like you know I can't relate to like oh my god like coming to terms with it in that same sense you know it's not like I'm gonna you know it's just it's the when they just focus on the tragedy like it it becomes interesting and it's an important story to tell but it's not relatable exactly and like and it definitely applies to some people there are some people who have an awful time coming out but it's and wonderfully it's not everyone's story anymore yeah and there's other things about being queer like it's we're not just coming out a first relationship and that's kind of it and that's I feel like what you often get on screen yeah oh the first relationship thing yeah that always like ends terribly yeah which exactly. I mean most people's first relationships do that's be yeah like, that's that fair. is a real story but, but it's like like that's bit, kind of what you're saying about teen drama yes because like with teen drama um everything is dramatic so that's I often because I I love talking about teen drama like I've written so many essays on teen drama particularly because um, I think it's really interesting to see how because especially television and film as well but especially television like it's trying to stay up to date all the time and when it's aimed at teens it's like well it's the producers trying to figure out what they think a demographic that is not them want mm-hmm. and I think that's it's a really interesting way of trying to look at it because you know film and television are always in some sense a cultural mirror um, and I think teen drama is a really interesting way of looking at that but with relation to queer relationships particularly like I dislike when queer relationships are a plot device but when you're watching teen drama everything is super dramatic so in a sense you have a little bit more room there um, and sometimes again it's kind of disingenuous but I think sometimes you can get something a little bit more interesting yeah um, yeah, yeah it's kind of like okay yeah they're being like very melodramatic but so are the straight so people everyone you know like yeah. everyone's melodramatic in this like, universe yeah like not to not to bring it back but Glee <laughs> oh Glee <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about Glee was everything was at least treated the same yeah poorly <laughs> Every, yeah when everything's treated poorly I'm not gonna get super annoyed that the lesbians were also treated poorly because who wasn't yeah man Glee was a trip <laughs> <laughs> the thing about oh one of the the things I hated about Glee I think even at the time as a child I was like this is terrible <laughs> was when they had that storyline of the guy who bullied Kurt for his like whole life oh then, yeah then like kissed him and it turned oh, out he was gay I hate that yeah like that, that that's an example of is bad representation like is it still sort of good 
or should it not be done at all yeah that type of thing yeah because that's because the whole like that's the whole thing of like good representation um there's a film theorist named Stuart Hall and he writes about it particularly with reference to race um but the same kind of applies to being queer on screen and I, he, I think he mentions that in his work as well that like just being on screen is not enough there's a difference between representation and good representation like capital G capital O or good representation <laughs> and that's when you start to you know give these people fully developed fleshed out lives that become three-dimensional characters and not a trope or just like this tiny thing because that thing of like you know the repressed gay man mm-hmm. and he and and I'm that is a thing that happens but again like a lot of things it happens way more on screen than it does in real life and I think it's really damaging yeah um because there's a lot of issues with masculinity and aggression and all these things um but I think always being like someone who bullies you homophobically they're probably secretly gay sometimes they just suck yeah it's quite insulting I feel like to to anyone who is gay it's like don't put me in that box you know what I mean like Mm. don't and again obviously you know if you're you're obviously not repressed if you're out and everything but don't assume that you know gay people are all like dealing with massive amounts of repression and that we're all like you know twisted inside from trying to deal with our queerness or whatever i also think it's a really convenient way for um cis straight people to take the blame off themselves yeah to absolutely. be like you're this is your problem it's again like this is just about you and this is your yeah. inter-community drama and we don't do anything yeah and it's, it's a way of like kind of weighing in without really weighing in yeah yeah to be like yeah. i i understand like the culture and everything by presuming this person is closeted like yeah you know i'd actually be interested in talking about like um kind of the cultural impact that film and TV have because like even though like the representation looking at as like an LGBT person isn't yeah. great like I kind of feel like even sometimes those narratives that are far straight people they are good because it's like yeah. it gets them to like be more accepting and have more sympathy so it's kind of like I kind of feel like the uh, like maybe the one of like the homophobic jock is a bad example but I think like sometimes like for straight people watching those stories about oh look how unfair it is when gay people yeah. are treated this way they're like maybe I shouldn't treat maybe gay people I shouldn't this way. treat them that way yeah there's an element of like um humanizing I yeah, suppose yeah. which is again you know we shouldn't need to be humanized <laughs> but yeah I kind of I kind but, of get that but also have a lot of cynicism around it yeah so do I because even if you're perpetuate like if you're perpetuating bad stereotypes then people might be sympathetic but then just start dehumanizing you in a different way yeah that like is more patronizing i suppose making you like the gay best friend it's like okay maybe you're not homophobic in the way you think homophobia looks like but you're also being yeah yeah Yeah, it's not like aggressive homophobia but it's still kind of belittling at the least yeah it's othering absolutely Mm, um yeah that's it's very much a thing it's sort of like audience sort of want to pat themselves on the back a little bit so you have this with um it really depends on the like the demographic that certain programs are aimed at. So if you look at Will and Grace, which I know I think has been rebooted, I, I think it got rebooted and recancelled actually. So, yeah. yeah, something like that. But the original run and they have a gay character, and um, Will and Grace appeals to a particular, you know, white middle cra- middle class like blue chip demographic voting audience who specifically get, women, specifically women as well, um, which sucks because it's like women, please do better. <laughs> Um, yeah so it appeals to a certain demographic who are very liberal and would consider themselves very progressive that's not to say that they're not in a lot of sense progressive but they can watch a gay character on screen and be like oh yes I can watch this character and see them the same way as any other character and that makes me progressive and it makes me you know an ally to the community Um, Mm. when it's an actual fact it's like you're 
just watching a character and again there are elements oh, of that I suppose that's actually really important to remember yeah that you're just like watching a character they're not real people this, as much as it can be like a reflection of real life it's not actually translating into real life you yeah. still have to like act yeah um, and that's also the thing with film and television that often gets forgotten about is that what you're watching on screen are just the characters if you're talking about you know queerness and film and television you need to also look at who's working like who made this film who put these gay characters on your screen because more often than not it's a man like if you look at blue is the warmest color which was yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> but that was when that came out that was massive it cleaned up at, i think um at Cannes and i think at sundance or maybe one or the other i, I think it was like up. the first one or maybe one of the first where they like gave the palm door to the director and the actresses or something like yeah, that like I think they were so, like yeah. it's so amazing everyone gets yeah, one so yeah they ate it up but it's you know no queer woman i know likes that film yeah exactly and like as you know as like a film student I can watch it and I can make okay there's parts of this that are interesting or like um, aesthetically yeah read. I like some of like the filmic techniques and I think you know if I was to analyse it there's some interesting stuff I could pull out of it but just watching it you know not as, a, as an academic just watching it as a queer woman I'm kind of like alright <laughs> like I don't again I don't see myself or any of the other queer women I know I don't see us in there yeah. because again it was made by a man and I think that's when it comes to queer film and television you have to start in some sense looking for the queer women who are making these things and supporting them and often they're not always making you know explicitly queer content so there's a a filmmaker Lucretia Martel who is one of the biggest Spanish language filmmakers um like she if she's huge in that kind of sense and you know not quite in the mainstream but like still massively popular she's an incredible filmmaker Uh, I think her most recent film is called Zama and it's a retelling um, about this like Spanish colonial figure and it's kind of a, a mockery of masculinity like this guy keeps trying to be really masculine and sleeping with all these women and he's just so pathetic it's a great film um, <laughs> I she, love films about pathetic men yeah. right, but her, she is um, I can't I know she's come out I don't know if it's as bisexual or lesbian or you know some variant thereof but one of her films before it came out it was so implicitly gay that she had to come out to her mother in like a panic being like you're gonna see this film and you're gonna know I'm gay by seeing this film even though it's not out and out about a lesbian relationship or anything um and then it's really lovely her mother was like oh I've known since you were seven Uh, which is which is very sweet um but most of her films a lot of her films she's this kind of trilogy of films that are all about kind of womanhood and femininity and a lot of her films deal with masculinity and looking at masculinity and kind of critiquing it which is wonderful and you're getting this sort of unique queer woman perspective but her films are not explicitly queer she's not necessarily writing stories about lesbian couples and everything but if you want to support queerness in film that's you have to kind of look for to support it's those stories that can resonate with queer women more than seeing you know because it's your perspective sex scenes and stuff like that because like we all i think as queer women struggle with gender at the same time like and like that like masculinity and femininity and and everything else and Mm -hmm. like exploring where we fit into that because we don't necessarily yeah, because like, I think even being like being a woman and again being a woman on screen particularly, there are a lot like femininity becomes quite loaded, and then when you add queerness to that, there's just so much going on. Yeah, because I suppose like especially in film and TV, like a lot of the time being a woman is defined by your relationship to the man who's yeah. the main character. So then it's like if you're not relating to that man, like yeah. what are you? You know? Yeah. Like, but it, I think that leads to like that like um, subsection of 
queer women films where it's like she's with a man and then cheats on and then him she and then it's about it. his oh, like yeah. his sort of pain yeah I remember yeah. some people were telling me that like because um, I just watched Blue is the Warmest Colour and I was like oh my god like yeah. lesbian films are terrible and then some people were saying like oh you should watch like Imagine Me and You like that yeah. one's way better and I was like I watched it and I was like okay this is cute but also like not much better yeah, yeah. it's like the whole like again spoilers like the whole thing of like a woman who's married to a man and then like mm. there's this one woman who like change turns her head and changes her mind and yeah. it's kind of like it's like it's like is she even I don't think they even say she's a lesbian at any point yeah. there's kind of this like it's just this one woman was so magical and amazing that it turned her yeah. for men and it's that's yeah. like um it's a bit like ca- <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bit like Carol as well mm. oh yeah. yeah and I think I've read the, the book was The Price of Salt Price I think of salt, yeah. 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 yeah and I've read the book and I actually I haven't seen all of the film um I think I fell asleep um I watched it at Christmas so um <laughs> appropriate <laughs> yeah exactly um but by the way um but even in that it's the same thing you have this sort of like mythical lesbian who is just so enticing and it sort of almost becomes not about the queerness and just sort of being like this one woman is so alluring to this other woman yeah that she yeah. this is new for her but she kind of has to be drawn to her sort yeah. of thing but what I liked in that film was they did make a point of showing that like for Carol herself I don't mm. know about um, is it Therese, Therese? Yeah. yeah yeah like that for Carol herself it wasn't just a one off thing that yeah. she had had a past relationship with Sarah Paulson yeah not even going to guess what her name was in it no like, idea uh, yeah like yeah. that they it wasn't like that it, it wasn't just a once off thing for yeah. her which I thought was great representation yeah. also yeah. them still yeah. being best friends is also accurate representation yeah. <laughs> all they needed was to have the same name maybe her name was Carol that would have been peak <laughs> representation yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like it does a better job but also it has like elements of that as well and you still have um like you know her fiance or whatever it was oh yeah. being like, being like why are you so obsessed with this woman and getting very jealous and stuff so even though it's a it's a step beyond i think there's still kind of elements of all these things that we get very sick of seeing mm. and also they're portrayed as bad people then because they're having they're always yeah. having an affair yeah which is obviously viewed as not good yeah and again obviously you know having an affair is not ideal it is, <laughs> you know, regardless of your sexuality, cheating on someone is, you know, yeah. widely frowned upon. We don't endorse affairs on this podcast. <laughs> but also, we'll not judge you. Yeah, yeah, you know what you do, you, but like. That's a whole other road to go down. Yeah. <laughs> but in saying that, it's sort of a thing that, you know, in them being kind of like judged as bad people for having an affair, it's like, you have to understand the context of it. Like, is it viable for them to have this relationship in any way that's not an affair? Mm, Which, again, like, if you look at, like, you know, for women, particularly in, like, you know, just before turn of the century and stuff like that, economically, it's a little more difficult to be a woman. You know, you also kind of need, like, the safety sometimes. Like, being a woman can be quite precarious in a way that being a man can't. So, it's, she sort of doesn't have an option to fully leave behind the other parts of her life that she might have to leave behind yeah, to pursue a fully yeah. queer relationship. But yeah, actually, I was just thinking there on that point as well. Like, a lot of the time when it's portrayed, like, uh, especially when it is a coming out thing, mm. it's like, you're so, like, overcome by, like, lust or love or whatever that you, like, even though it's so so terrible and it's ruining your life, you do it anyway. And yeah. it's kind of like, being with women rather than men doesn't really ruin your life. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's kind of better. So yeah. being with a man, especially if you're not that into him. And it's kind of like, it's considered like, oh, you're throwing your life away for yeah. this woman, whereas in fact it's kind of like you're just getting a new life. Yeah. It's probably a bit better for you. you and know? also if you put that in the context of coming out specifically, it's mm. sort of disingenuous because 
I don't know many queer people who came out for a relationship. They came yeah. out for themselves. Yeah. So I think that's one of the real issues with queerness on screen is that when you have, when it's not someone who's like a side character, when it, the film is about them, it's almost always a romance. Mm. And again, that is just, that just happens to be what most of our content is about. But it's sort of, it's a little bit kind of almost insulting to be like, well, we don't come out for the sake of a relationship. We come out for ourselves because that's who we are. It's not just to be with a person. It's to be ourselves. Yeah, like it's not a last resort. Yeah. Like, you know, a oh, last resort, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I suppose, what would be your favourite uh, representations then? My favourite ones? Um, that's really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I've, act- I've been watching Euphoria. Oh, and yeah. I'm not finished yet and jury's still out a little bit but I'm interested in the way that they're doing queerness um, have either of you seen it? not yet no, no. it's like it's good because you have so you have Jules' character who's played by uh, what's her name Hunter Schaefer I think who is an actual trans woman so you have a genuine trans woman playing a trans woman on screen and it's not really talked about that much but not in a way where it's like they're not doing like an implicit thing there's this nice bit where, and again, I haven't finished it, so maybe they'll ruin this on me by the end. But there's this nice bit where you get Jules's backstory, you get to see her childhood in a kind of flashback, and it's mentioned that she had a really tenuous relationship with her mother, and her mother's not in her life anymore. And you kind of assume that it's because she transitioned, and it's not. She has this whole—you have this whole childhood of her, um, you know, her as a little boy, and she gets institutionalized for just being depressed, basically, and then her mother kind of leaves her life. And then she is, you know, she goes back and she's with her dad. And then it's mentioned, she's like, oh, Jules started to transition when she was 13. And then that's kind of it. It's just presented as a fact. Mm. It's her being trans is really... And again, she like, there's comments made to her because I think to not have other... Especially when she's in a secondary school or a high school or rather, it would be disingenuous to not have people make comments about that. Um, but with regards to, like, her family life and her backstory, it's sort of just accepted as fact. Yeah. Um, and, that's nice. and then she has a sort of relationship with Zendaya's character, whose name I can't remember. And even she is, she tells her kind of sexual history and it's mostly boys and now she's in love with a woman and it's like, okay. And it's, <laughs> these are not the most interesting things about it. And it's not the best show. It is very, it's just a teen drama with drugs, basically. Um, it's not incredible, but the way they're dealing with queerness is so far quite interesting. And there's a little bit of kind of toxicity in that you have a character and his dad and the dad is definitely um, a closeted gay man and that kind of comes out quite poisonously and then there's some complicated stuff going on with his son so again not ideal queerness across the board but that relationship particularly is quite interesting to me they're dealing with it in a way that I haven't necessarily seen on screen before mm. that kind of reminded me actually of Pose as well mm. um, I haven't finished it I, I only watched a few episodes of the first season and I know people I've seen a lot of stuff about how people were happy with how the latest season ended mm-hmm. apparently they really like fucked up all the good stuff they've done but I don't know I haven't seen it but that's kind of the same thing of it still gives that like tragic sort of all those tragic backstories yeah. but it also shows I think have, have you seen it? No. no it's about the sort of um, ballroom scene in like the 70s 80s, yeah. 80s I think in America in New York and it's just sort of like it's got like a lot of trans women playing trans women yeah. and different types of queer representation and it's like really sad but I think it shows a lot of the joy as well like it shows yeah. a lot of the ballroom scenes yeah. that are like really fun and like the community and all that type of stuff um, yeah it could use the culture and not just the kind of just, yeah because yeah. I think yeah. that's some of the issue with queer people on screen is that you often get them 
surrounded by straight people almost entirely and yeah. it's like there you know Koreanus has its own culture and we often have communities because that's I think the weirdest thing about queer people on screen and not always but often is you have all these straight people and one queer person it's like yeah. I don't know any queer person who doesn't immediately go and find more <laughs> gay friends yeah this actually we kind of talked about this the other day when we were talking about how in media uh like queer people especially queer women are portrayed as like even in history always being in the closet always yeah. being ashamed having no community when in reality none of us would have survived if that was the yeah, case yeah it's just it's not the case yeah. like it's, it's it just couldn't be it. like it like, just uh, couldn't be like we have unreal communities that we're, we all love we have like great fun we have like mm-hmm. a really like rich history and culture that like we're all like i'd say pretty proud of yeah yeah like, so it's really interesting to see the mainstream media not really portray that at all yeah and again it's because mainstream media didn't start portraying it like didn't start portraying gay people at all even though you had you had like Marlena Dietrich who was bisexual I think Greta Garbo as well mm. is widely considered to have been um, bisexual if not lesbian like you know we've always existed and it's because we're especially not especially in the arts let's be real <laughs> yeah let's exactly real. And it's, like especially oh. like you had like the amount of hedonism that went on in the 20s and then again in the 60s and 70s yeah. and then again like it just and the 80s like it, it's always been a thing that like and like you know queer people we're at the forefront of all art we always have been you know we're all we've always been political we've always been artistic there's always been a strong underground movement and we know this but it's kind of you reach a point where you you know realize you're queer or whatever and you start to do your research and you start to find your own community and when that's not reflected on screen you have people wondering like like why are you so annoyed that you know this queer person's on screen but they're not exactly your version of queer like that's not exactly my version of queer it's a queerness that i understand through a community aspect Mm -hmm. and that community is so rarely on screen i think that was one of the reasons why and again aids crisis films are not you know peak representation but that's one of the reasons i loved 120 beats per minute because even though it's an aids crisis film there's such a strong community in that film and you really do and there's that lovely bit where um you have that kind of disparity you have to another gay couple being like why can't you just let us have fun and then you have the activist like insisting that being queer is political and that disparity i think is something you don't get enough on screen because mm, that, that's actually yeah. very real like a lot yeah. of times it overlaps but i've definitely had that conversation with people yeah. a lot and it's probably just that like there haven't been enough queer characters to have opposing opinions yeah you know? that's the thing <laughs> it's like yeah because that's when you have the thing like yeah. oh just, why can't you be happy that you have a gay character because it's not enough yeah like we're not one character yeah yeah but i think um kind of something I thought of as well was like what do you think of the whole thing about like I, I mean it's definitely important I think we can all agree it's important for like trans characters to be played by trans people mm. I don't think there's going to be any yeah. argument there no. but what no. do you think about the idea of um, straight people playing gay characters like do you think that that's a bad thing or not I mm. honestly and I've kind of I've flip flop back and forth I have me too I mm, can but never I, decide I think as long as it's written well I think it's again I think it's more down to the writing and direction than the actor because you know actors are talented obviously and they do important work but actors are a tool of a bigger kind of like a bigger process of content creation Mm. so as if you you are a straight actor playing a lesbian character it doesn't really matter so much as long as that lesbian character is written to be good representation and to be a genuine representation in the first place and again I think it's you would probably get a little bit more kind of dynamic characterization if you have, you know, gay women playing gay women. Um, but I think having straight characters play gay characters is less important than having well-written characters in the first place. It's 
probably more important to have gay writers rather yeah. than gay characters. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And gay directors and just gay cinematographers because, you know, gay production designers. Yeah. Like, put us everywhere. Yeah. And then we can and talk about the actors. the gay agenda. Yeah. 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 The gay agenda is to take over the film industry. Like, you know, like, Julianne Moore isn't a lesbian, but she's played, like, a few she, lesbian yeah, characters. She a few and lesbian. she's been unreal. I'm like, yeah. I don't have... I don't mind actually, it. Actually, The Kids Are Alright is another one. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that, no. Oh. Julianne Moore and somebody else <laughs> um, Annette Benning, yeah our yeah. wives and they have kids and everything and it's really but it yeah. ends terribly because the plot, the plot becomes uh, one of them has an affair with Mark Ruffalo <gasps> and it's like Mark about, Ruffalo why <laughs> and it's about her like and I don't I don't think she's bi like it, it's uh. it, it's this whole thing of her being like I just wanted to like have sex with a man or I, do you know, I actually haven't seen it for a while but it's it is something like that like it's not that's so bizarre but that's the other, thing. An otherwise great film, it's because it's yeah. about like two women who are just raising kids, and there's yeah. a lot in it about that, like mm-hmm. about their kids and and them as a family and stuff. Yeah. It and could have been really good. Yeah, and again, it's those actresses played gay characters well, and they played them fine, but the writing did them dirty. So yeah, actually, yeah, it's not Judy Adams' fault. It's not her happened. fault. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and she was also in that one that was a biopic, and Ellen Page was her wife in it. And I think one of them has cancer and they're activists and it's again it was like oh yeah yeah I kind of remember that one vaguely. I remember reading something about it and it was kind of I don't think it was particularly well received it was kind of a similar thing being yeah. like okay yeah. you tried but like yeah. and I'm kind of like I never want Rachel Vice to stop playing lesbians I just love the way she does it I'm yeah. just like keep going girl like, you know? I think I think actors especially actors who because you know you've a lot of you know woke actors who love to come out and be like I'm an ally and I'm progressive and I support the queer community and all these things which is grand um I think it's down to them if to choose good roles mm. that's where I kind of hold actors up I'm like I don't care if you play a gay character really as long as you choose a good role yeah. like if you read a piece and you're like this is an awful representation of a queer character and I consider myself an ally to the community um which is the whole thing I have issues with in and of itself mm-hmm. um like if you consider yourself an ally and you choose characters that are written poorly and that buy into these ridiculous tropes of the gay best friend or the dead lesbian or all these things that's where I have the issue with the actors yeah. because you have the power to choose other roles and I know especially if they're well known already yeah that's yeah. the thing because people like, you hear the argument like well they have to make money it's their job it's like when they're massive actors they can afford to turn down things like mm-hmm. come on let's be real redistribute your wealth it's fine <laughs> That's kind of a recurring theme on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, very, very yeah. keen on the redistributing. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I just remember, like, because I was kind of on the same page as well, but then I remember seeing a thing. It's like, um, you know, like, in the Oscars, the top four acting mm-hmm. prizes, that three of the four went to straight people playing gay characters. Yeah. So there was Olivia Coleman playing the gay queen. Um, I yeah. don't remember her name. Uh, the guy playing Freddie Mercury. And I can't remember who the third one was, but it's kind of like... Yes, you yeah, it's like they're kind of profiting off. Then of... there's kind of an argument to be made, yeah. but that's yeah. again, I think that goes back to you know gay characters being used as a plot device. Mm. Yeah, so... especially in the favorite. I was like, that is yeah, not gay I mean, representation. That yeah, was just I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about the favorite. Um, <laughs> Because I love that film. Because I love Yorgos Lanthimos. Obsessed. Um, I haven't seen The Favourite, but I've seen The Lobster and Killing of Sacred Deer. Which, so I was like, The Favourite's going to be yeah, unreal. Yeah, it's such a good film. But it's a weird representation of queerness. Yeah. A little. But again, it's one of those things where it sort of doesn't make lesbianism the topic of the film. It kind of, they just are attracted to each other. And it's sort of a weird thing where it's like, I don't know it's it's because it's sort of the film sort of removed from reality in a sense I feel like yeah yeah so it's a weird thing where I came out of that film being like that was great 
I loved the cinematography I loved everything about that film I don't know how I felt about the lesbianism yeah it kind was of it almost like, like did it need to be there no not that because it's kind of a central point mm-hmm. because it's that you have um, Emma Stone's character and what's her name's character Rachel Weiss. Yes, thank you. Um, you have their they're kind of competing for the Queen's affections in every sense of it. So them being kind of having lesbian affairs with her is sort of just part of that. Yeah, and I think there's kind of it's implied anyway that it's like um Emma Stone's character like is just doing it out of like for yeah. as a means to an end that she isn't genuinely attracted to the Queen. Yeah. It's kind of I think it's, it does come across more like genuine love yeah. in Rachel Weisz's case. Because they seem to have a sort of relationship. Yeah, that yeah. That goes beyond just her being her favourite, like, attendant or whatever they call them, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was sort of nice to see just women, you know, you know, kissing on screen without it really being anything dramatic, sort of. Like, and again, it's secretive because it was like, you know, the Queen of England or whatever. But it, there's at no point that it becomes like dramatic in its own right I felt like yeah. it was never like oh my god they can't find out we're gay or oh my god we are gay yeah because it was kind of like in that because it was a distorted reality it's like yeah. the queen could do whatever she wanted yeah. so there wasn't that element of like we have to keep it secret exactly it was kind yeah. of just like she's the queen that you know? just reminded me of um, what's it called I think you've watched it uh, Gentleman Jack oh, oh yeah, yeah. It. where it's like she's a really like strong lesbian character but then her did you watch all of it yeah yeah it's you know like the person she's seeing starts to like freak out and have sort of oh, mental breakdown yeah. about their relationship and about them being together yeah because she thinks she's going to hell and all this type of stuff yeah i know that is based on like a true story mm-hmm. is it yeah like i think it is i'm not sure if that like particular a, part was yeah. true though because i remember reading the like the sort of true story behind yeah. the show and I don't remember them making out a whole thing that your one basically had like a psychotic episode over the no. fact that she was gay you know um, but yeah and then also the fact that like she's a landlord yeah uh. she's a terrible <laughs> terrible person like, like she's we have no a, sympathy a bad person yeah oh god yeah but like but I think one thing I liked about Gentleman Jack and I think like Rachel Weisz in The Favourite too was like that it was like queer women who were like wearing men's clothes, which yeah. you don't realise how rare that is. And it's yeah. kind of weird that it came up in period dramas rather yeah. than modern yeah. day representation. Well, like the L word doesn't have any butch lesbians. Yeah. Yeah. People um, call Shane butch. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But that's, I'm, I'm going to keep bringing it back to Marlena Dietrich because I'm obsessed with her. But she very much leaned it. She, and again, I don't think we'd consider it androgyny now, but for her time, especially for being like, you know, an on screen starlet. She did have this element of androgyny, and she and she wear pants, which was probably wild yeah, back then. Yeah, exactly. She kind of leaned into it. Um, so yeah, I think the men's clothing thing is nice. Um, it's actually that that does tie into the fact that when you do see a lesbians or bi women or queer women on screen, they're often portrayed as like aesthetically as really really femme. Yeah. Mm. Um. Or else really really not. I feel like there's no kind of in between. It's either they're like the butch lesbian or very feminine. And the butch lesbian is always like from Ireland yeah, yeah, yeah. Net, that was actually the only example yeah, they're I rarely a main character I can't think of anyone else yeah they're like um, rarely a main character and it's more of like yeah or like or that thing you said like of being called butch when they're really not when yeah. they're still feminine yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's like oh and then it's like sort of who are these characters here for then again because yeah. it's not if it's not accurate representation then yeah. like who is this for and again that's why you need queer people in your crew because if no one in your wardrobe department is queer and they're like dress this person as you know visibly queer and if you have a bunch of straight people there they're not gonna know what to do i mean yeah. they might they could be very talented and 
you know, very clued in and everything. But, you know, generally speaking, if you want good representation, you need to get it from every angle. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. even thought about it like that because I suppose everyone talks about the director, the writer and yeah. the actor. But yeah, even wardrobe and everything. Yeah, yeah. Because like now and historically, like dressing again and like sort of queer coding in your mm. clothes has always been a, like it's a always been a part. huge yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of like um, like in the like queer women's space, especially like historically have based their like identities and relationship relations around mm. like being butcher, being femme yeah. or like all this type of stuff. Mm. and that's like never really comes up yeah 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 Yeah. are you sort of you have um queer women sort of taking bits from on screen and finding one character to latch onto and because that was again the thing with Merlina Dutrick in Morocco that she became this icon and that's why her dress like the way she dressed was kind of emulated and it became popular in the underground scene and everything because it was this tiny thing to hold onto and when there was so little else and it felt not genuine because it was kind of played for the shock of it but it felt queer when nothing else did yeah Yeah. so you kind of you latch onto what you can have and you sort of pull like small signifiers you pull things like dress and style because like i suppose you could see two women who are so unbelievably like realistically not queer like kissing or whatever and you won't connect to it because it doesn't feel but if you see something that's really visibly queer you're like wow and i think we can all kind of pick up on that yeah I mean, I think there's also there's something to be said for the reverse of that as well, of like, and it doesn't apply so much on screen, but more so in you know being queer in your everyday life, the pressure to sort of present as more queer. Yeah, mm. that's true. Yeah, that which is, is again, it's something that I struggle with from my massively privileged perspective. In that, it's important for me that you know I don't want people to think I'm straight because I'm not, and it's and a part of my identity that I'm bisexual, but I don't often look anything other than straight, which is. There's an argument to be made that like all gayness does not look the same. Yeah. But I feel like there's a thing of being like, how do I present myself as queer? And when you have on screen representations that are so warped by not being genuine representations, it can make that more confusing, especially for younger audiences mm-hmm. who are coming to terms with the queerness and looking at these characters on screen and being like, is this what it's like to be queer? Yeah. Like, because I don't know if this is true or not, but I always say this I think feminine queer women and feminine straight women look different. I, I, think, I think I think you can like I think some well a lot of queer people can tell yeah. kind of when other people are queer yeah I think so too I think there's definitely like a sense of it but I also think that when you really when you're kind of sort of worried about confirming your sexuality yeah. there's a lot of pressure to be like am I being queer enough am I being and then you have the opposite of that of course you am I being too queer yeah. which is again more difficult it's absolutely a more difficult position to be in um because you I know, know it's, it's I don't know if it's more difficult it's probably more difficult depending on your circumstance I feel like it definitely depends on the circumstance like if you're you know strutting around town you're probably fine if you're back home in rural Mayo or wherever then you have the issue probably not not to say that you know all cultures are not progressive but you know I don't feel like I need to quantify I think people know what I mean do you know what I was just thinking about actually do you think that um, this is not relevant to what we were just talking about at all but (laughs) (laughs) quick segue (laughs) I'm a professional (laughs) Um, just like that whole thing of do you think mainstream queer media can, is sort of um, now focused on pushing this sort of assimilation agenda because mm. that's something I've been talking to people about a lot and that like assimilation versus not kind of thing of mm. should queer people assimilate into sort of straight society with the yeah. like you know marriage and, and all this type of stuff I just for, keep thinking of gay rat wedding um. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's just like all I've been picturing while you're talking. <laughs> is that the dream? We don't know. Yeah. yeah, I get what you mean that now when you have, because again, one of the difficulties with queer representation on screen is that there's just not enough of it. So we are going to critique and moan almost every single queer, <laughs> and moan about rather, every single queer character on screen because none of them are going to get it right because there's so few of them that there's so much pressure on every one of them to do everything perfectly Mm -hmm. if you have a cast especially now when you've like television shows with massive ensemble casts you've like 15 characters and one of them is gay that gay character has to do everything they have to represent every part of the gay community and i can't do that Mm. that's a burden that's put on them and that often we sometimes put on them um that is not put on straight characters and you have a similar thing with, you know, characters of minority race and ethnicities and stuff like this. Um, so it is a thing that this whole assimilation thing, it's sort of a thing like... Of, oh, oh, we're just the same as you. Yeah. And that comes in, that it kind of ties into us saying that, like, our culture is never shown on screen. Yeah, exactly. it's supposed to be like, we're just normal people, where it's like, actually, like, there's difference. There's a lot, like, there are... that's okay. Yeah, there are some people who are, you know, white pick offence get married who are like two women or two men or whatever they get married and they adopt some kids and they live in the suburbs and they have their life like that and that's grand and when we see this on screen we're like well that's not us and it might be some people mm-hmm. but the issue is that there's not enough overall representation that you know at the minute because i think that's the thing that gets thrown at you when you critique these things you're like well nothing's ever going to be good enough it's kind of like well yeah because there's not enough yet mm. keep doing it and get back to me yeah but yeah but then i suppose it comes to the point of like I guess the fact that we are a minority means that we're just not as profitable a demographic. Yeah. And that, like, if they're going to be making these narratives, they're going to want to make them in a way that's yeah. palatable to straight people exactly. so they can make money off of straight people yeah. too. You like, know? if it's so. going to be profitable, it has to be dramatic. It has to be the dead lesbian or the coming out narrative. It has to be something dramatic rather than just being like, this is a normal film about, well, I mean, there are no normal narratives, but rather than just being like, these characters happen to be gay. Yeah. Do you know what? Have you seen Sense8? I started it. I've heard that it's a good representation, yeah. but I hated it. Just yeah. like I know as a, a television people, program, yeah. I did not enjoy it. I I loved it, but I know like a lot of people I've talked to are like, I've watched three episodes and I just can't. Yeah, I hit yeah. I hit three episodes and I was like, no, no yeah. more. I'm out. Oh, I was like, I'd say thirteen minutes and I was like, no. <laughs> I really have no tolerance for sci-fi. I was like, they're jumping around the place. Don't like it. <laughs> not for me. They're jumping around. The place. But it's interesting that sci-fi, kind of like horror, oftentimes has more room yeah. um to explore these things because it's sort of outside the realm of reality anyway. So there's a little bit more room to kind of be like, well, yeah, this person's queer. And also they're like in space or whatever. So (laughs) you can't start arguing about like, and again, like science fiction has to have an element of the science as well as the fiction. There has to be a sense of like realism and kind of, you know, narrative logic. Um, But there is a little bit more room there. Yeah. And Um, I think like it's always been a genre that's been good for, what do you say, promoting women? Like if you think of like like Alien Alien and Terminator and all these these films that were made in like the 70s, early Mm. 80s that have lead female characters. Yeah, Yeah, and even like I'm just thinking like one of my favourite representations is San Junipero from Black Mirror, which is sci-fi. San Junipero, like, okay, I'm going to put it out there. San Junipero is the one good representation. (laughs) I have no critiques of that. (laughs) God, yeah. Um, Someone will definitely disagree with me on that, but I genuinely because I'm not a massive Black Mirror fan and I kind of by the time that episode came out I'd kind of given up I wasn't really interested anymore and then someone had said to me watch this episode and I've watched that episode multiple times I've mm-hmm. watched it almost as a film I just watched the episode on yeah, its own yeah because it that works that way too. it yeah. does yeah. I've done that as well yeah, yeah. I actually I wrote one of my final year essays on it 
We had like oh, an episode really? in that because it was a quality television class and Black Mirror is obviously an, an example of quality television. Um, and I just wrote an episode analysis of that and it was the best time I've ever had working on a piece. <laughs> I was like, I just going to watch it over and over again. I get to talk about the pretty lights and mm. yeah, I think that was, it's again, it's one of those things that managed to be outwardly queer without making the queerness too much of a plot device yeah because it is still like it's it's still freaky it's still black mirror it's yeah still, like, it's still weird it's about, yeah, like, and yeah. The f- i just love that it was like the one black mirror episode with a happy ending yeah so it was like the complete opposite of barrier game i mean they did I die mean, is, which they is, awesome. is, it, is, yeah. is having your consciousness last that long a happy ending well, that's the question because that's why it's <laughs> yeah, interesting because yeah. it's like oh well it's lovely because they're together they're happy ever after but they've also uploaded their consciousness and now they live forever as these like fake versions of themselves mm. so mm. I think I think just as an episode of television I think it's a really well structured episode um, but that that's probably one of my favourite representations on screen yeah, yeah. and again I'm, prob- I'm probably blind by the fact that I have like genuine affection for that episode but I think always blind your like critical opinion mm. but I think that's a it's a nice one that, I think. that's kind of how I feel about Sense8 because they and they portray like I thought they again like there's a trans woman in it and she's yeah. part of the lesbian couple but like it's not it's not like it's in no way about her being trans or yeah. about her coming out as trans or like it does come up like there's a point where she meets someone from her past and sort of uses the wrong name but then like that's about it yeah, and then and, and then like I think her pa- her parents are not I can't, I can't remember I watched it ages ago but like it's not like the show it's is not, fucking crazy it's yeah. not about that like yeah. <laughs> and that's I think that's when it works because you have you just establish this character not at a point of their life when they're coming into their queerness when they are queer and they have been like yeah, they've always these been two, obviously these but two are together bef- like before the show yeah. they have built a life together like it's, exactly so yeah. it's about understanding about bringing in those things of like you know someone unfortunately dead naming her or something like that bringing in these small elements of the difficulties of being queer but without making that the pr- point of your plot yeah of just mm-hmm. having characters and understanding the context a queer character would come from without making that your whole narrative or your whole plot device because we've done I, that I, I actually just remembered a trans lesbian did make that show oh really uh, one of the Wachowski oh Wachowski's yeah, yeah of course yeah. Yeah. Uh, she made it yeah so yeah. That, that actually makes yeah, sense yeah exactly <laughs> again so you you need queer people in your crew you need them That's behind the thing yeah like it kind of reminds me I remember reading this thing that like um, a lot of people see The Matrix as like a trans narrative because it's like they said that like it like yeah it, like it's sci-fi but it represents like a, a lot of trans people can relate to that experience even though there's no trans characters in it yeah so but I think it's like it was made by trans women yeah yeah, b- yeah. B- before they transitioned maybe before yeah. they came out but so that is obvi- like it's going to yeah. be an undertone and it's like that thing of us actually sometimes being able to relate to things more that are not outwardly queer. yeah yeah because it's, it's like, like those like real like yeah. feelings yeah and that's all i think that's also an element of like the thing with the matrix is that it builds a sort of like subversive almost following for finding an element of queerness that sometimes queer people we queer things ourselves and that's a i think the whole thing about queering as a term is contentious academics love it <laughs> other people often don't um i kind of sit in like a middle ground yeah because it's i i also i'm like in theory i'm like yeah i shouldn't but then it's like it's so easy to yeah use. um but the whole thing that we will often find something and make it for us when it maybe wasn't necessarily for us in the first place but we're like no we're gonna find some element of this and we're gonna latch onto it and we're gonna kind of co-opt it for our own and make it part of like the lgbt community so mm. you have that with the matrix when they find this narrative that maybe wasn't I mean, again, if it's made by women who did gen- then transition, but again, of like finding these elements that we want to have for ourselves rather than taking what producers think we want. Yeah, yeah. There's something like as much as it's like 
not great that we have to do that there is something nice about that though. Yeah. and that like it's kind of a almost universal thing it where we communal. can all see that and yeah. we can all relate to that I'm trying to th- think of an example for like lesbians in particular um, I remember there's a thing Shira I don't know if anyone watches that I <laughs> oh, see yeah. that a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the only one I can think of at the moment but I haven't actually seen the show so it's probably not a great example but isn't there something like it's like these two like girls who used to be friends and now they're enemies and stuff and there's all this like mm. tension stuff between them and it's like a lot of like queer women are relating to that yeah. even though they actually, aren't actually gay characters have or... you watched Glow? I watched some of it I didn't finish it in the end because that I think that just reminded me of like the two female characters who were friends and now there's loads of tension and blah 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 but I was actually really disappointed because it's a really good show and it like has amazing female characters but for some reason they just they just couldn't get the gay storyline yeah. there which like, is kind of ridiculous because it looks so campy oh and it yeah. is <laughs> yeah like it's so it's so because I, I watched like the first two or three episodes and there's that bit where she comes in and they're like having a screaming match and someone else is like do you want me to hold your baby and it's just so bizarre <laughs> it's so bizarre it's really like you, sh- you should watch like it's really really good but I finished it the other day and oh, spoilers uh, <laughs> there's a the a lesbian is introduced in the newest season and then she gets with one of the other girls on the team yeah. who has previously not come out but there's a point where she says something being like the one who's not out or doesn't know what's going on but just really fancies this other woman is like oh I she calls her gay and she's like oh I don't I don't know if I'm gay and the lesbian character like freaks out at oh. her and is like well I don't want to be with someone who blah 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 doesn't know who they are blah blah and it, it, it ends I thought it was gonna I thought there was gonna be a good arc where she they like They'd resolve work it, it out, and, then, yeah. and the other one will come out as bi and it'll be like nice but no it ends up with the one who was like I don't know what I am blah 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 apologising and, and coming out but only to appease the other one. Oh, oh that's weird and it's just really really shocking because I was like they wrote such amazing female characters that have unreal like and really realistic friendship dynamics yeah, yeah. so I'm like I don't understand why this feels really like thrown together yeah that's awful. really strange oh. yeah and I remember like one trope that I don't really like is the whole like um like coming out to prove how much you love yeah. Person, well, yeah. you know and it's like some people like they can't come out because they're in a dangerous situation it could make them homeless or whatever yeah. like you know don't be like saying that like because they aren't out to their homophobic parents yeah. they don't love you enough or yeah. it was in that show or the movie um, Appropriate Behaviour have you seen yeah. that one? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then the whole they kind of implied that the reason why she broke up with her girlfriend was because the girlfriend was like a lesbian was mm. annoyed at her for not coming out to her really religious yeah. Pakistani parents that's the Desiree I can never pronounce her surname. I'm not even gonna try it. Insulting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's her. Which is really interesting because she's a bisexual woman. I'm not sure if she's bisexual or lesbian because I've read different interviews. Um, anyway, but yeah, she is. She's a queer woman anyway, and it's just really strange that because I've I kind of felt that too. It was sort of a weird because that's that's the one where she plays her own character. Yeah. And she, like yeah. she's insisted it's not a biopic. It's not autobiographical at all. I'm just gonna write it and then play the yeah. character, but it's not about me. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, it's kind of interesting because when you're talking about, you know, the need for not necessarily just gay characters, but gay writers and directors and everything, that it's interesting that she is a queer woman and she starred in her own film. So that really the representation there is, should be so much herself. But I kind of felt the same thing. I was like, oh, this is kind of odd. Yeah. And then her next one was um, The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Oh. Yeah, that was her next. Well, I don't know if it's her next one, but they're her two big was, ones. I didn't know that was the same person. Yeah, yeah. they're her two massive ones. Um, so she didn't. I mean, yeah, I didn't really like that. Yeah, <laughs> no. And again, I mean, and again, it was it was grand actually. Like I yeah. remember like watching it, being like, "This is grand," but didn't 
Yeah. Yeah, I felt again Ended that I liked really it, weirdly. but it wasn't relatable. Either. It didn't resonate. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. and again, it's we, you know, but like it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm sure straight people love this. Yeah, mm, and actually, it's yeah. it's weird. Um, and again, I think we are forced to, in a sense, put a lot of pressure on whatever representation we do have. So I kind of feel bad for her that she is a, a genuine like bisexual or lesbian woman who's making films are all kind of like mm, not the type of gay we wanted mm. so I, I do kind of feel bad in that sense but again it's the same thing that when you have sort of representation and when you've been like okay this is like a, a gay woman and she's making a film about a gay woman and it doesn't quite do what you wanted to do it's like well I've so little else to look at and you you feel let down in a sense I feel like yeah yeah, yeah. and like straight people are never like oh that one straight character wasn't good yeah, enough they don't I, have the know, same thing yeah like I'm sure they have, there's like 10 great ones you know that yeah. kind of way so yeah yeah so like again do feel a bit harsh like criticising her but at the yeah. same time it was kind of like did you really have to like go with that particular way yeah. of telling the story really like yeah that was a book uh, first though wasn't it like she didn't write that uh, I oh um, Cameron Post yeah, yeah that was, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. yeah so. and apparently the book as well my friend lent it to me months ago and I still haven't read it I feel <laughs> so bad but like apparently in the book it talks more about like the character herself like as mm-hmm. a person in her life before she went into the like camp or yeah. whatever I actually and, I did yeah. I did I picked that book up when I was in secondary school at some point probably like the second half I don't know when it came out or what but I actually remember I read like very little of it realised it was a gay conversion camp kind of story and was just like no yeah mm-hmm. I didn't read I, it yeah because sometimes you don't want to read it it's yeah. like I've read enough awful harrowing shit that gay people have had to go through I don't need another one sorry I completely forgot the one good lesbian film but I'm a cheerleader oh yeah <laughs> comedy gold. how did we forget that Jesus <laughs> regardless of it being like a gay film comedy genius <laughs> so so camp <laughs> yeah but I think like camp often does some of the most interesting work representationally yeah because it's less confined it doesn't really care like camp films aren't trying to win an oscar they're yeah. not trying to appeal to your you know your middle class audience they're doing exactly what they want to do and they're being ridiculous and they're mm-hmm. being over the top and all these things and they're being kind of jarring and strange so i think a bit a bit like horror and sci-fi but much to a greater extent in camp there's more freedom yeah and it's sort of like you can do kind of anything and i also think I'm more forgiving to camp films. So if there's a representation that I'm like, that was a bit of a weird choice. Yeah. In camp, I'm more forgiving because I'm like, you're doing everything weird. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. really matter, and it's not it's not serious. Yeah. You're not yeah. expecting it to be serious, so yeah. it doesn't need to be. Yeah, you're not like expecting to see your life reflected back, and we probably shouldn't still expect that from yeah. straight movies. But from at anything, the same time, yeah. you get your hopes up. Yeah. Whereas with this one, you're just like, this isn't meant to be me. This is just yeah, yeah. This is chaos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But like that's like because with mainstream mainstream film and television, it's everywhere you can't avoid it mm. um and it you know it reflects the ideals of the culture we live in and even if you don't go see a film you still hear about a film you still see trailers and the ads you're bombarded with this whether you want to be or not so you kind of oh. can't help but want to see yourself in it at some stage because yeah. otherwise it's quite alienating true yeah. especially depend on again you know you kind of come to a point where you realize that this is you know a film as much as i love it is currently more of an industry than art like Hollywood cinema is a mess it's just peak like capitalism um, and there's still there obviously are still wonderful films and artistic filmmakers and everything um, but when you're surrounded by this all the time you reach a point 
where you realize okay it's just they're just making money they're just you know doing what they think is going to get audiences at the cinema but especially when you're younger when you don't reach that point it can feel quite isolating quite alienating you're like why is why can i never seem to find myself here yeah yeah honestly even when you like come to that point and you realize that it's so really sad because yeah. uh, like art, that's not what art is obviously supposed to be yeah yeah so. yeah and then like it's kind of um i recently saw at the gays film festival um yeah. i saw a screening of this um film costa brava and it was just like a really nice film mm-hmm. like the main characters were lesbian but again it wasn't all about them being lesbians yeah. like you know it was just like it was just like a, a film for lesbians by lesbians but then the director couldn't make enough money making those sorts of films and now yeah. she's like a chemistry teacher oh. and I was like oh, oh no, oh, no. <laughs> of all things chemistry yeah. <laughs> it's like that took a turn yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah I was I was gonna mention gays um because I, I missed it this year um and I missed the Dublin Feminist Film Fest as well oh. which is ironic because I missed both of them because I was writing a film thesis <laughs> it's kind of ironic like I hadn't I haven't seen most of the films that came out this year because I was watching the same six films over and over and over again <laughs> to write about them um, but yeah, but that's often where you find genuine representation. It's in mm. the smaller things and the people who aren't being given money to make this stuff that's getting seen by everyone. And that's why you have to do the work. You have to look for your, you know, for your, not your, like your local filmmakers, but your Irish filmmakers, your indie filmmakers. Find the lesbian filmmakers you want to see, like go looking for them. And you have to kind of support them because otherwise they're never going to get seen yeah and as well like I remember hearing this thing like it's a bit it's a massive generalisation but I think it's also kind of true it's like that gay men get more representation because they had tend to spend more money and that like lesbians are all doing these like low paid like social yeah. good jobs so they don't have as much money to spend so that's kind of why that they're yeah. less represented yeah and also I think yeah. and again I don't want to I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing but gay men on screen can be appealing because they can be like that kind of campy or flamboyant or you know a bitchy gay or whatever and you know gay women on screen don't kind of have those tropes to play into and again it's not good to be reduced to a trope but at least gay men have somewhere at least their trope is fun whereas like lesbian trope is like dying lesbian or dying dying. (laughs) yeah um so yeah i i can i can sort of see the logic behind that it's an interesting one yeah yeah but um yeah and I just keep thinking like you know just all the like straight people who watch like Drag Race and stuff and yeah. it's just like you know or you Queer can. Eye yeah yeah and it's like no one would sit down and watch like lesbians you wouldn't watch five lesbians yeah like, it's, yeah it's it like it almost sounds bizarre to say it because there's it nothing like that right yeah you wouldn't watch, you wouldn't watch a show about five, five together a whole <laughs> like a whole five yeah like that's yeah. insane and like that was like like you just can't imagine like you know the way that the L word was so yeah and but they they did a lot of stuff very badly but at the same time like the fact that they were able to have an ensemble Mm -hmm. drama with like entirely lesbian cast and like yeah I'm excited for the reboot kind of tentatively excited I'm like "Mm, not sure I'm I'm anti-reboot in general Um, as a concept as a concept I'm fully (laughs) anti-reboot it's just you lazy. Know, yeah. it's, just, it's just lazy. Dear God, stop. Yeah. It's just lazy. <laughs> it's dead. Let it <laughs> yeah. die. Yeah. Mass culture, late capitalism, pumping um, out anything for money. But yeah. Um, but again, but I, I hope it's good yeah. for your sake. Well, no, I just feel like the world needed to redeem itself. Like, yeah. you know, like, especially like, I, I never, I only watched like the first season and I heard that they have this very problematic representation of a trans man. Oh, and I Jesus. was like, oh, it's, yikes. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I so, don't even want to open that door. Yeah, yeah, so I just, like, stopped watching it then. I was like, I don't think I need to see this. Um, and then, like, again, just the fact that, like, they were all extremely high femme and, like, yeah. living yeah. in this really... Bisexuals treated really poorly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm back on men now. And it's like, oh, no, I'm back on women now. And it's That's just like, not how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like the whole, it's just, yeah, bit of a mess, I think, from there. So I kind of feel like it, it's, it seems like they're trying to, like, redeem themselves now, mm-hmm. be a little bit more yeah. woke, um, but, and probably a bit less, like, 2000s fashion as well. I feel oh like that was the God. hardest thing to watch. The vests. Oh, oh. vests. And the low-rise jeans, like, oh. who likes those? Oh, my God. Early 2000s fashion is, in and of itself, a hate crime. <laughs> I will stand by that till the day I die. And let's finish there. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember oh. Kira for anything, remember her for that. Oh, yeah. Honest to God. <laughs> uh, I suppose if I do want to end on anything, it's just the same thing I've been saying is to find your women filmmakers, find your queer filmmakers, support those, you know, donate to a Kickstarter, try and attend your film fest. When your friend says they're writing a film about like two lesbians, encourage them it'll probably be terrible indie films often are but some of them are good and without supporting those we're never going to get them into the mainstream um and also if you're looking to find yourself on screen go outside of the mainstream non-english language films art house films they often not off not always but often will do these things better and just you know also support filmmakers more enjoyable more enjoyable most of the time and also you get like that satisfaction of feeling like you're really artsy <laughs> like there's something about subtitles that make you so smug <laughs> Oh, oh my god! Yeah, I'm so cultured. Yeah, I'm so yeah. cultured. I had to read this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So, yes. yeah, so thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was really lovely. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Hope it was fun to listen to as well. Yeah, yeah it's and, uh, rambling. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, same old spiel. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All underscore men on both. Uh, thanks to. Um, Luca Wall and Lone Adams for helping out and uh, yeah so I've been Orda Keeney I'm Emily O'Connell and this has been In Avanaugh a Lesbian Plus Podcast thanks for listening